Welcome back, listeners. It is another edition of Matt Goes to the Movies and a little bit different of an episode today. Uh, things have been a little hectic, so normally we would have already done Loki episode five, but we are going to do a two-parter. And joining me today is Rob, who you know from our MCU reviews with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, and Loki. Um, unfortunately, though, we are not able to be joined by Harrison. Uh, I'll say it first. Harrison, we miss you. Hopefully you're freed up uh, next time so we can do a couple of things together. But Rob, uh, two-parter right now. Loki is done after the longest time of thinking we weren't, you know, how long until this stuff comes out. We've we've gone through three Marvel shows and one new Marvel movie. Um, It's come pretty fast and furious. Uh, It's a great time to be a fan of the MCU. We've we've had some pretty engaging content. I'm not sure any of us really knew what to expect truly from these MCU uh, shows on Disney plus. I think, I think we were, we thought they were going to run the range and they certainly run the range of, of styles of show and and what we've gotten. Um, And we've gotten weird. We've gotten action. We've gotten humor um, through all three of them. And they've been incredibly entertaining. Um, Black Widow just hit theaters recently. I, I just think it's incredible that, on a show called Matt goes to the movies that we're actually going to finally be able to talk about a movie that you and I went to the theater to see. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to having a chance to talk about that. And uh, I actually saw two movies in the theater last week. I saw a quiet place too, and was finally able to listen to your show uh, on the breakdown of it. It's, it was fantastic to just be back in the theater, seeing it again. And then to be in a packed theater for black widow was um it was just awesome. It, you know, it's one of those things where you and I had speculated, would movie theaters be one of the things that was lost forever to the coronavirus pandemic? And I'm going to tell you, uh, if you've been out of a theater for a year and a half, go see a movie in the theater and you'll remember why that stuff matters. Like if you if you really need to see Blackwood on Disney Plus, go ahead and do it that way. Like I get it. If everybody should take their own safety for, for what it's worth, like make the decisions that are right for you and your family. But if you feel comfortable going to the theaters, go see it in the theater. Don't watch it on Disney plus. Yeah, it's certainly, you know, my first theater experience back started with spiral from the book of saw and it was just great to be back. Um, it certainly makes me remember why I love going to the movie. So uh, oh, a lot absolutely. of, a lot of fun to do that. So, you know, Loki, I, a show Rob that we had some reservations about two episodes ago with, uh, okay, where is this going? You maybe have to show us something. Uh, but man, these last two episodes that we're going to talk about, I don't think they let off the gas really at any moment. And not that there was a, you know, there wasn't a ton of like action going on and it was nonstop, but what they gave you, I felt like both of these episodes, I'm going to specifically talk episode five first. But one of the things that I loved is I felt like this was the first true show that gave us something and didn't just leave us like, okay, well, we have to wait for a movie to close this down. Certainly there are things coming forward that we need to wait on, but I felt like this show did a much better job of giving us a good enough palette. 
This is one, I think when WandaVision ended, we were like, oh no, it's a series finale. We didn't want it to be a series finale because we liked it so much. Um, it doesn't feel like they could have made a season two of that. Like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you can turn that into Captain America and the Winter Soldier. You can do a second season of that uh, if you want to, although it sounds like they're going to kind of forego that and do Cap 4, uh, which would kind of be the natural progression for these characters next. Uh, for this, it does feel like uh, a second season is the right way to move this forward. Certainly there's going to be implications for what happens. And, and we, we definitely think a lot of these things are building towards Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness, but um, it, this does feel like a complete show. This doesn't feel like there's stuff left hanging that are only going to be resolved in a film. This, this felt like obviously they're going to do a second season. We know that, um, but it feels like this this show is going to tell its own story um, and, and contain itself in the show. And, and I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I, I definitely feel the same way about that subject. So let's get in to episode five. And it's been usually, you know, listeners of the show, you know, we do um, Loki every Thursday after it airs on Wednesday. Uh, unfortunately, with scheduling and just everything, uh, myself, Rob, and Harrison, we all tried to get together. Um, it didn't work, and then I had some things come up where we weren't able to do episode five, you know, the day after like we normally do. So, in the interest of that, Rob, I think pretty much everybody has seen episode five. So, I think we can really skip the teaser trailer portion of this and just go into spoilers about episode five with Loki and, and give our thoughts on it. So what I'd like to ask you to start off with is in our segment from seat to screen, what worked in episode five for you? Cause I have a whole heck of a lot. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of things that I liked here. Um, when you and I had talked about the previous episode four, I think both of us were under the same impression of, I don't, I don't think I can, I didn't have a grade for it out of how many reels I was giving it until I felt like I you I could talk it out with you. And I think you had that same uh, impression from, from episode four. When we get to five, I came away from this feeling like I know how I feel about it, but I don't know that I can properly feel like I can give a grade to it until I've seen the season finale. Like it, that really felt that way. Um, there's some, but there's some things that really work well here. Um, Sylvie to me feels a lot more like her own character in episode as of episode five and certainly see that in four as well. Um, than just, you know, a, a variant of Loki. She, she is, she shares characteristics with him. She shares traits with him, but where I had complained, you know, in previous episodes of the season that it just was creepy to me, this, this sort of love story they were weaving for those two. Um, I actually felt like she's she's a different enough character of her own that it didn't bother me. Like I I, I don't even regard her really as a Loki variant at this point, and and she's her own character. So yeah, it makes sense that these two can can have a relationship. Um, and and I gotta say, this episode is absolutely at its best when it just leans into its weirdness. Like when when our Loki that we've been following this whole season meets Alligator Loki and just is like. Yeah, sure. Of course. Like, why yeah. wouldn't that exist? Like that when that stuff happens um, <laughs> and when he goes to kind of explain it to Mobius, um, it's great. Like it, it just works. I mean, if, if you're hoping for a show 
that's about time and reality to make sense, like just don't, like just don't even try, like don't even bother because it's not going to just kind of have fun with the weirdness and just let it rip. Um, I, I had asked in the previous episode, if, if this show, you know, would, would really make Loki a better man. I know he's a God, but you know, a better, more humane uh, person, you know, entity. Um, I think coming out of this, he's certainly going to be a much more compelling and interesting character um, than what we had seen previously of him in the MCU. Uh, I love Miss Minutes. And the one complaint I'll have is that we don't see her used enough. I just thought she was such a fantastic character, a fantastic sort of, uh, um, you know, I don't want to say a gimmick, but just I sort of liked her and, and her role. Um and and Loki's betraying each other. Oh, this is peak Loki. You know, this is just this is just what they do. Um, the arcade fight that worked really well for me too. That to me, I felt like this is how a, this is how Loki should fight. I'd, I'd complained kind of throughout the season that I didn't really love what they'd been doing with Loki's fights and his style. Um, this to me felt more like that, especially old Loki. Um, you know, I guess. Or, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call him old, but, you know, experienced Loki, maybe. Right. <laughs> um, I felt like that was maybe more what we should have seen throughout, you know, using that trickery, using his his magic to, to aid him in battle. Um, there was a lot to like here. Yeah, I definitely think, and you start to see it here, that they really started to branch Sylvie off as her own character, like you said. So I like that their relationship felt a lot more genuine to me than it had felt in the previous episodes. I really enjoyed seeing the other Lokis and the different versions. And like you said, when they started betraying each other and our Loki, you know, Avengers, New York Loki is just kind of standing there. Like you can see it in his face. Like, why the heck do I do this? Like, what is like when they're all like, if, if you just watch him, he's like, uh, we're a mess. Like, and I just, I absolutely love it. I love the little callback to get help. He doesn't say it, but when the young Loki throws, which uh, I'm, I need like a, a figurine of alligator Loki um, because he was just awesome. But he, when he throws the alligator into the pile, it reminded me of get help from Thor Ragnarok. Um, I really like that a lot. Uh, the little tiny, by the way, you can, you can already buy uh, like Lacoste style logo t-shirts that have a little alligator on yes. them with the horns and the helmet on it. Like you can buy those. Those are already out. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty like it was hysterical, <laughs> but even the Easter eggs where they're going down into that, um, you know, that kingdom and everything for young Loki, you see Thor's hammer, you see, you actually see frog Loki in a jar. There's like all these little tiny Easter eggs in this episode with Thanos's plane and the Avengers tower, which is actually an Easter egg to Kang the Conqueror. Cause it doesn't say Stark or Avengers tower. It, there's so much going on in this episode. If you look and really just take a step back that I was just captivated by it the entire time I watched it. Yeah. Um, there was so much here. There's so many fun things happening all at once. And, and again, this is one of those ones where if you, if you watched Endgame and you started asking questions about time travel, like just don't even don't, 
Just don't do it. Like, don't make your brain go through that. Just take the part of your brain that wants to make sense out of how paradoxes and time and, and reality in general work. Uh, just check that out. Like, just put it on the shelf. Leave it over there. Don't try to access it. It's You're, you're going to have a lot more fun um, when you just don't try to make too much sense of, of the physics <laughs> behind how all this works. It's just, it's one of those things, like when somebody tells you the universe is always expanding, like, well, how can that be? Like, there has to be a point where you bump into the end of the universe and they say no. And, and you're like, your brain tries to process that and just goes, <laughs> like, it just mm-hmm. it craps out on you. You can't even process it. Like, you know, time and reality and thinking about it in those terms are kind of the same way. So just have fun with it. It's, it's, it's Hiddleston just having a great time doing a phenomenal job with this character. And, and I really like the, I mean, I liked the character of Loki prior to this. I like him a lot more and I find him so much more compelling of a character um, after this, this series. And certainly we see uh, a lot of that in this episode. Yeah. If you had for some reason forgotten, or uh, I don't know, maybe not sour to him because of this show. Cause he's good. These last two episodes, boy, for me, it just reminded me why I love Hiddleston as Loki. He was yep. absolutely amazing. Some real emotion played throughout this episode. And especially in episode six that you could really, Again, understand his progression where I thought in the early episodes, I really didn't understand how this Loki would feel this way. It didn't seem like he had done enough to say, well, I don't want to be this person or I acknowledge what I've done. Now it is full blown like this is a guy who knows what has happened. He knows where he wants to be and he's trying to get there. It's all so believable now. And it's because of the performance by Hiddleston that that's relatable. Definitely. Um, You know, there's some great there. He's great in every scene he's in. Um, I I think some of the highlights of this, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more at the end uh, of, of the season finale. Um, but he and Owen Wilson together are, I can't think of a single time they've been on screen together where they like the scene didn't work or the scene wasn't fantastic. Right. Yeah. Just again, another, you don't think about it and Marvel hits one out of the park with what casting two actually very talented actors who make the material work. And you just go, how does Marvel continue to, to do it how do they find these casting choices that just hit because they have for casting when you think about how many people are in this universe i mean when we're talking main main characters i really can't name i don't know maybe any that don't hit Maybe you say Edward Norton. I feel like that was more of a disagreement between, you know, what his vision was for the Hulk and what Marvel's vision was. I don't think he was bad as Bruce Banner. Um, I guess I would say Don Cheadle. Uh, I don't really like him as uh, Rhodey, but Rob, you know, can you can you think of a main character like a hero or, you know, Loki's not a hero, but they don't miss with these casting choices. Not only do they not miss they cast people that you go, huh? And it works. Think about Star-Lord. Like, right. Prior to being cast in that role, 
you would have known him as the pudgy guy from the office. Like, or is it, was it the office or I think I've, I think I've got the wrong show. Parks and Rec. Um, but either way, yeah, Parks and Rec. I'm sorry. I, I, I haven't seen either of those shows and, and I apologize, but I, I know they're both huge, massive shows that a lot of people love. <laughs> but like, that's, that's, that's like people's reference point for him. And, you know, like Robert Downey Jr., like we had talked about in our original MCU breakdown, like that dude was not necessarily a surefire bet. Like he was kind of risky, you know, like Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, she's a big movie star. That one makes sense. No, no kidding. Like Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, he's he's a movie star. Looks just like Doctor Strange. So, yeah, like that one makes sense. But some of these other ones that they've pulled out, um, you wouldn't necessarily like. Paul Bettany, I don't know necessarily a ton of people knew, and he was fantastic as Vision. Like, it, it, there's just so many of these little ones that you can point to, and you go, "Yeah, I, I didn't like." Who would have thought, um, you know, Bradley Cooper as Rocket? <laughs> he's so right. good. Yeah, like, he's so good as that. Um, uh, you can you can probably think of you know it, we can start here and we can come up with thirty of them real easily that were surprise yeah. castings that nailed it. Yeah, I mean, look at Paul Rudd. Like, he's fantastic right. at Scotland. Like, fantastic. Um, it, and and who would have thought? You know, and and you know, we're speaking of another character that's primarily known for for comedic roles. You know, we had kind of started this talking about Owen Wilson, but man, like, just very. I, I can't say how much how impressed I am with what I've seen from him in this role. It's it is not at all the wedding crashers sort of version of that, of his, of his acting that, that you've probably seen before. And we're sort of expecting, um, I, I want to see more of Mobius. I want to see what happens with Mobius in season two. Um, I want to see him appear in other stuff. I want to see him in Dr. Strange too. I want to see just, I want to see more of that character. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, you know, one, you know, another character that really I thought, especially towards the end, stole the show was, you know, seasoned Loki, experienced Loki, uh, <laughs> Lo- Loki that faked his death with Thanos. And I loved how him distracting uh, Rob, the name's escaping me. What is uh, Stormcloud Galactus's name in this uh, in this episode? <laughs> Elias, there we go. (laughs) Um, You know, his ploy to distract him, I really felt was actually a really beautiful moment for him where I believe it was intentional to project Asgard as something that he wanted to see before he knew he was going to be wiped out, so to speak. I I don't think it was just unintentional i think it was a very intentional moment for the audience to connect with this character about again this is a loki that has seen what has happened and he even said i wanted to know if anybody missed me i wanted to know if my brother missed me and he just he wanted to see that home world that he rejected for so long and thought didn't want him he wanted that to be one of the last things that he was surrounded by I think that's a very interesting take. Uh, not something that I had thought of the first, and, and I've, I've watched this twice now. Um, wasn't necessarily something that immediately sparked in my mind, but I think it, I think it makes that version of that character and certainly Loki in general, because these are all at a bare minimum aspects of his personality. 
you know, some of them are greater, you know, are highlighting very specific aspects of his personality over others. But but none of these ver- variations of Loki are, are truly diametrically opposite from from what we know of as him. Um, and I think that I think that represents a, a, some of what we've seen. Certainly we saw towards the end of, of Dark World, which, again, if you haven't seen that in a while or ever, I don't blame you. It's not good. Um, and some of the growth that we saw from him throughout. And I want to say this real quick, like when he talks about faking his death with Thanos, I absolutely believed that's what actually happened in Infinity War for the entire film. Like it wasn't until Endgame when like he, he never showed up again, like to help save the day um, that I was actually convinced. And, and actually when I rewatch Infinity War, I'm still not convinced sometimes that he didn't fake his own death. Like I legit thought that's what happened um, because that's what we've seen from Loki. And I thought that was kind of cool that they had, um, I think they actually do call that character classic Loki. Um, I, yeah. When he, when he says that's his plan, um, that's actually, I think it's really cool that they incorporated that. Cause that was, that was sort of what I was believing happened all along and uh, still kind of thought that might, be something they did um, depending on how they wanted to bring the character back. Uh, But certainly with these branching realities that are being discussed, um, we'll wait till the next review, but there's, there's a lot that can be done with this. Yeah, there certainly is. So, you know, is there anything in this episode though, because talking about it, rewatching it, thinking about it, I don't know that I really had a problem with anything that went on during this. Did you like, did anything stand out to you, Rob, where it was like, well, this kind of took a misstep that I wasn't uh, expecting because I, I don't really have anything. No, I, I didn't. There was nothing that stood out to me. I just thought it was kind of weird that president Loki that you'd seen the, all the media of and the pictures of, and they used very frequently to promote this show was literally a character that was on screen. Like if you, if you had a stopwatch every time you saw his face uh, was maybe on screen for like 25 seconds at most um, and was really not even like his impact as a character was almost none. Like I, I thought that was kind of an interesting red herring that they, that they kind of threw out to us. Um, certainly not the most egregious red herring that Marvel has ever given us on Disney plus. I'm looking at you, Ralph Boner. Um, but uh, <laughs> it, I still thought it was kind of interesting that they, that they went, that they went that route with it. Um but no, in terms of things that uh, that didn't work for me, I, I got nothing. Yeah. So let's talk about, certainly we've mentioned a lot of great about this, but if we had to pinpoint in our next segment from the lobby, what would be your favorite scene if you had to just choose one from this episode? I, I think going to what you had just talked about where our classic Loki is, is distracting Eliath and they're, and they're working that plan together. Um, that scene was, was a really cool emotional hit uh, for me. Um, it's, it's either that or towards the beginning of the episode, like I'd mentioned earlier, when, when our Loki that we've been following this whole time is just like, yeah, this is weird. Um, I'm just going with it though. Like it's of course. Yeah. Like why else? Like, why wouldn't there be an alligator Loki? You know, like it was just, it was so funny and so bizarre and you couldn't, you couldn't make a scene like that work in a movie because you don't have the hours 
of of time to build to that moment of goofiness and weirdness like that's <laughs> something you can only do on television and and i'm sort of glad that they're doing what they're doing with the mcu on disney plus there's there's stories they're telling like wandavision you couldn't have told that as a movie even a three-hour movie it doesn't work um it can only work as episodic tv um and i would say this show six episodes long Okay, maybe two and a half because you can just take episode three and just chuck that right out the window. Um, just prune episode three. Like, just send it to the end of time. Let Elioth eat it. We don't need it for any reason. Uh, outside of that, um, you couldn't have made this film into a or this this series into a film. I don't believe. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I really do like the the classic Loki scene where he's you know resurrecting Asgard, so to speak. But I also do love the scene with Mobius and Loki where you can tell genuinely. And I, you know, I talked about this in episode four where I felt some of the emotional weight wasn't there with Mobius getting uh, pruned, but you could just tell that Loki genuinely wanted to hug Mobius and say, yeah. thank, like say, thank you. I like that a lot. And then, you know, just Mobius going, well, you're my favorite to Sylvie. Uh, I like that a lot. I thought it was really funny, but also too his little discussion about alligator Loki was like, or maybe he's just pretending to be a little, I don't know. Like it was <laughs> just, like, it was just so funny how like, again, stupid an alligator as Loki is just hysterical and they make it work. So Absolutely. also, also Loki, no offense is one smooth guy with the ladies because He's a frost giant. There's no reason he gets cold. So that blanket is just to get close to her. So, <laughs> uh, I, I thought that was a pretty smooth move. Um, it's a slick move too when he makes the blanket longer. Right. Exactly. He know he knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, he, he is quite the trickster. So, I, I don't think I have to ask you. Uh, your least favorite scene, because I don't think that would really be fair to say there was a least favorite scene in this episode, unless you have something. I don't have anything that stands out where I was just like, ah, oh, get that out of here. So yeah, I I've got nothing. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to get into episode six here in just a minute, but for episode five, Having either, you know, did you have it rated differently? Did you really not think about it until you watched episode six? Where would this rank for you? So it, it, if we had been able to, to record last week, I was prepared to give it four. Uh, fully understanding that if episode six fell flat on its face, um, you know, everything that worked about five would not really... Um, wouldn't really hold up. Um, having a chance to finish the series now and and kind of look at the setup, you know, your penultimate, you know, the the serve before the spike, um, the, it actually went up for me a little bit. So I'm calling this a four and a half. Yeah, you know, I think I was fully on board with a four when I first saw it, but knowing how episode six 
continued and really in some ways really surprised me with what they did in episode six in a good way. I definitely would bump this up as well uh, to four and a half reels because not only was this episode good, but really the follow-up to it made things in this episode stand out even more. So yeah, I would end on a four and a half reels for this episode as well. Sounds good. So, you know, that's going to end this part of episode five and we're going to get into episode six, but because this has still just recently aired, uh, we are going to go with a teaser trailer for this one and give a spoiler free review. So Rob, I'll let you go first with episode six. What were your initial thoughts when the credits were done and this show was officially over and this episode was over? So when, when I finished episode six, um, they do some things kind of different. They, we had no reason to know. Um, and I, I'm somebody that I don't look for spoilers. I don't look for a lot of things. Um, I, I typically want, and this is for movies, shows, video games, books, comics, you know, all, all forms of entertainment media. Um, I, I want to be able to take it in the way that whoever the creative people are that, that put it together the way they intended it. So if I, I don't actually don't watch a lot of movie trailers in general, because movie trailers have a tendency to spoil way too much. Like I really want to just be as surprised as I can. Um, so I, I don't know when, when it was announced that there was going to be a season two. I, I think it was just after, you know, we, we really found out by, by watching the end of the series, uh, finding out that that was kind of our end credits tease um, really got me very excited because we, ha- we did, had no reason to expect that. We didn't get it with WandaVision. We didn't get it with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, so we didn't necessarily believe that there was a reason to think that this was this was coming back for, for a season two. Um, because they kind of left it on, on a little bit of a cliffhanger, um, which we weren't necessarily sure how they were going to resolve it or if they were going to at all, if that was just kind of how they were going to leave it. Um, I felt very satisfied, though. Um, there's some really fun things that happen uh, in six. We get introduced to a new character that I don't know that we necessarily thought we were going to meet. Um, and we get some more great, great moments with Loki. We get some more great moments with him and Sylvie. Um, this feels like a very satisfying end to, to this series for me. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there were some really good surprises in this episode. One of them for me is the new character that's introduced because they did something, for me, that's very, very difficult to do. Uh, I'll get into that more in the spoiler portion of this episode. I thought right off the bat, you can't help but notice this episode is breathtakingly gorgeous. The way that mm-hmm. this this episode is shot, the color palettes, the music choices, everything about this episode is gorgeous to me. I absolutely love looking at it. And it just, again, furthers the relationship. There's excitement. I had genuine dread at the end of this episode for what's to come. Like, what they leave me with, I was literally going, this is 
terrible. Like this is going to be bad for this universe. So I thought they did an amazing job getting you prepared for what's to come, being excited about it, but also giving you enough that you could still look at this show and say, I'm happy with it as it is. I, I felt in Falcon and the winter soldier and, um, WandaVision, I felt some of that was lacking because they really felt like a setup to something that like, okay, I have to see something else in order for all of this to work with this. I don't feel like I, you know, I want to see something else, but a lot of this can still work on its own and have you appreciate this show. So I really take my hat off to the creators for being able to capture that and I thought this was just an amazing episode. And really, to me, overall, I would say that this is the best of these three series. Ooh. Um, see, that's tough for me. Um, if I'm ranking the three series we've gotten so far, um, I was expecting to like Falcon and the Winter Soldier a lot. And I did like it a lot. Um I was expecting to like this because I, I just, I'd always found Tom Hiddleston as Loki to be a very interesting and compelling character. And I was really, when you actually realize that it's, it's the 2012 version of Loki that was going to be in the show, uh, the end game version, not, you know, not the one from infinity war. Um, that to me was, was interesting and compelling to see what was going to happen with it. WandaVision, I wasn't really super excited about. And Matt, you and I and, and Harrison had joined us to talk about how, you know, we didn't really care that much about either of those characters throughout their their appearances so far. They, they really meant nothing. And nothing, they meant a whole awful lot by the time you were done. Um, and it was such a compelling mystery. I actually think I probably, you God, I don't even know. <laughs> I'll have to come back to that. I, I actually don't know how I rank it. I, I almost feel like if I just, just top of my head um, would go WandaVision, then Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then Loki third so far, I, I think. But that's it, one of those things I, I don't really feel great about, about that ranking. Like, I don't feel like I'm set on that. All right. So that'll be something interesting to maybe talk about further down the line. But let's, you know, let's get into this episode as a whole here in from seat to screen. And Rob, do you, because again, with this episode, I have a lot that does. So I'm going to ask first, do you have anything that doesn't work in this episode for you? Um, there there's some times where Jonathan Major's character is is he's goofy, he's fun, he's off the wall. I like almost everything he's doing. I think sometimes it goes maybe a bit far and, and maybe he chews just a little too much scenery. He's just maybe almost a little too weird to for the sake of being weird. Um, I, I, I'm really nitpicking there though, because I actually like his his portrayal of the character. I, I like that. This is different. We haven't, we haven't seen a character like this in the MCU yet. And I like that. And I sort of like what he's doing. He's this, this incredibly powerful character that is a little bit gone off his rocker um, from all of this responsibility, all of these eons of time he's been left alive um, or he's been alive and in charge of this timeline and all of these things. Um, so he's a little bit, he's a little bit nutty. 
at times it's maybe a bit much for me. If that, if I'm going to make any complaint about any, anything in this episode, it's some of the scenes with him um, maybe are just a little too much. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, in that beginning, uh, well, that beginning scene with him, I definitely thought that maybe it was going to be a little bit goofy. I also didn't like right at the start how Sylvie kept trying, like he'd talk, she'd go to swing at him and he'd back up and then she'd go to do it again. And then he'd back up in a different scene. And I was like, come on, like, you know, you're not going to get to him. Like kind of let's stop. But yeah. you know, again, that's, it feels like nitpicking because then it, they did something that I thought was very rare. He has a lot of dialogue, but contrary to typical villain exposition, nothing felt like it was just being dumped on the audience. I was really caught up in everything that he was saying and for how much he had to say, it's very rare for it not to just feel like, well, you can't figure out a good way to show this, so you just have to have somebody talk about it. It's like narration at the beginning of a movie. I felt that they did it in such a way, and he was so compelling and had a very good on-screen presence that it never felt like his dialogue stayed too long. I was interested in what he was telling the audience. I'm, I'm struggling to remember the name of the character from The Incredibles, but he's got that line at the end where he said, ah, you caught me monologuing. Um, you're right. There's really no part of this, uh, that feels like it's just for the audience. It feels like everything he's explaining uh, is for the benefit of, of Loki and Sylvie, um, because he needs them to understand what's going on and what's happening and why. Um, I agree with you hundred percent there. And, you know, I said the beginning, but uh, wow. When that when this episode starts and there's all of the the dialogue throughout what's happened in the MCU and then that really eerie like homage to the movie contact in the beginning where we're going through the solar system. And I, again, I, I talked about how this episode is beautiful and gorgeous, but man, like talk about a way to get you started immediately. This episode started exactly in the right spot it picked up right where we left off and i again i just thought they hit a home run with how they they paced this episode so disney knows what they're doing obviously um <laughs> i'm not exactly breaking news at 11 there um they know that the people who consume this content are are, are a lot a lot of us are super fans like I, I don't know how many people you can say have only seen like two MCU movies. Like if you've seen one or two, you've, you're more likely to have seen like 13 of them than you are to have only seen like three. And when you have an opening like that, I absolutely loved it. I, I thought it was such the perfect way to start this episode that has been, you know, the finale of this series or of this season for a show that's about what this is about to have all of those big lines, you know, I can do this all day. Like I, I want to, I want to look up online somewhere, just like all the lines that were included because it's, 
it's it's that great nostalgia moment. It's it sends all of those emotions back to you when you see it, just in the same way that every time they run that Marvel Studios uh, graphic and you see Tony Stark snapping, you know, with his with his gauntlet on for just that fraction of a second, and you see Cap throwing the shield, and you see all of these things like. You know, you you have an emotional connection to each of those scenes, and you have an emotional connection to each of those lines. Um, it was just such an incredibly perfect way uh, that whoever conceived it to start this episode nailed it. Yeah, they they really did, and I will backtrack for just a second because if there is one thing that I actually don't like about this episode. Uh, it is, and I think this is, you know, indicative of why I kind of don't like this. The main Renslayer, I almost forgot for a second. I felt like that was very abruptly, it, not even settled, because settled isn't the word, but the way she just goes out, it, it felt very anticlimactic and like nothing was warranted. I didn't feel like she got any comeuppance or I didn't feel like I cared about where she was going. It just felt very odd the way that it transitioned her out. Cause we don't really get a resolution. Like where did she go? Right. Not even a hint. And okay. So you used to be a school teacher or were you the principal? Like I, I felt that was actually a pretty big misstep in this episode just because, again, it was so abrupt, but didn't leave you for me. It didn't leave me actually even wanting to know about this character. I was just like, OK, whatever. She's gone. I you didn't give me any reason to care. And outside of her relationship to Mobius, um, what what impact does her character actually have on this show? Um, we see that moment where she's the one who arrests Sylvie as a 13 year old. Um, and she has some importance there and, and Sylvie certainly has animosity to her specifically for that. But, you know, when you really think of, of Renslayer, if you would, if you had forgotten her name, you'd be excused. Like what impact does she actually have on this show? All of it right. is through Mobius. All of it is through her relationship to Mobius. Yeah, no, it, it, it definitely is you're a hundred percent right in that assessment. So uh, I felt like she was very uh, underutilized, underdeveloped, and I really am not looking forward to seeing anything more. So hopefully they can maybe do that character justice. Cause you're, she's obviously going to be around in season two. It's not like she's just gone. So I, I think they have a lot of work to do though, to make her seem like she actually belongs as an individual character and she's not just tied to somebody else. Yeah. Because when we, when we leave here, I think you're intended to ask questions about her. You're intended to question whether or not she's truly, you know, a bootlicker who's falling right in line with her fascist overlords. Uh, or is she kind of, you know, did she take the blue pill? Did she take the red pill? You know, which of right. those did she take? Is she is she going deeper into the simulation and deeper into, you know, kind of the the fake reality that's been created? Or is she actually trying to break free and, and actually try to understand this better? Like, you're supposed to ask those questions, but I'm kind of with you going, I just don't care. Uh, fine, whatever. Right. Like, she'll show up again. Eh. Yeah. Uh, but again... Tiny, tiny scope. 
let's get back into the real meat and you know of this episode and that is really loki and sylvie and rob you mentioned it at first it was kind of weird seeing these two together by the time this episode rolls around they feel like two separate characters they feel like they should have a connection with each other and you understand it and more so with loki boy the fact that he just jumps in front at the one point and just says all i know is i don't want to hurt you like wow how did you go from episode three to being like kind of yuck to oh my god loki you're like the sweetest guy ever and like go like get her loki like you deserve it (laughs) um it's it's um the final 15 minutes of this episode are, are some of tom Hiddleston's best work as as loki i think um the whole scene where there are, I don't want to say they're arguing, but they're having a disagreement about what to do. And he's saying, Sylvie, I think we should just talk about this. Like you can see um, all of this weighing on him. And you can also read in, in what he's doing that he cares about Sylvie probably loves her and understands what she wants and understands that it's probably not in her best interest either, just like it's probably not in his best interest. And those are the people that he's decided he's going to care about. Um, And you can read when he gets sent back to the TVA, the betrayal, the, Oh my God, what has just happened? You know, he's hurt a hundred percent. Will he encounter her again? Will he cross timelines with her again? Will he cross realities with her again? And if he does, Will she be the same? Will will she have just unleashed something far worse than than anything they could have imagined? Um, and how will that change the? Re- I mean, there was so much that was communicated without being spoken. Um, it, it's it was riveting. Yeah, I mean, there's so much said without being spoken, and then there's so many things that are spoken. His line of "because you can't trust and I can't be trusted," like every single time yeah. something happened, you just felt like, an, "Okay, here's another layer. Like this isn't going to work." And it took me further and further of just feeling terrible because, as much as I didn't want it to happen, you could just see with every piece of dialogue where this was going to go that not and i never once for a second thought that loki tom hiddleston loki was going to betray her and not even betray i felt like okay it's going to be sylvie's just she has to do this and i just found myself hurting for loki because he had finally found people that he didn't he wanted to change who he was for, but he realized that this version can't like is not there and they can't do that. And also like just thinking deeper into it, just from my own psyche, that's such a terrible feeling to know that you were once where that person was. And now you've been able to make that mindset change. And you know that they're not trying to hurt you, but you had a hard time at one point as well, doing what you're trying to do now. So I just thought everything played so well and so emotional, especially like you said, that last 15 minutes. A hundred percent. So you know what I think would be a really fun exercise to do, go back and rewatch Avengers from 2012 
and and there's parts of that movie especially like where he's in germany and he's like making everybody in that crowd bow down and kneel to him and all that other stuff and it's like you just go shut up like get over yourself like what like what are you trying to do here like what's the point of all this like you you compare like immediately go from that character who you know the timeline of this show is a couple of days after that really i guess um to what we see from this character now um Wow, what what growth! And, and we've talked about this a little bit before, especially with Wandavision, and and we also covered it with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, these Disney Plus shows have given Marvel and Disney the opportunity to take characters who maybe didn't get a, a lot of spotlight in the you know previous twenty three now twenty four MCU films. Um, maybe had some interesting stories to tell, or were had great actors portraying them. And, and just never had the chance to fully, you know, open up to the audience because they weren't the A-list players. You know, if you're not Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, or Hulk, we probably don't really care. You know, Falcon, eh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a B-level Avenger. You know, Winter Soldier wasn't even actually on the Avengers. You know, like, these were, these were characters that were like, eh. But these Disney Plus shows have given them just a, a phenomenal opportunity to shine. And there hasn't been a single one of them that we haven't come away from feeling so much differently about and, and so much more compelled and so much more excited to see them in the future uh, moving forward. Yeah. A hundred percent with that. And I, I, I want to say that for a brief second here, this was my, my brain working way too fast and doing what uh, Harrison said uh, he wouldn't, wasn't going to do for these episodes. And it was, you know, <laughs> Oh, you're going to have a theory. You've got a yeah, theory. Like Brace thinking yourself. a theory and everything like that. And for a split second, when they are talking at the table and, you know, they are explaining there's more versions of me and they're a lot worse. And at first we used our powers to advance civilization and help each other. And he talks about, but then we found something that can feed on energy and he briefly dialogues it rob i am not kidding it my brain hyperspeed thought oh my god they're referencing galactus because they mentioned <laughs> they mentioned something that feeds on life and i was like oh my god they're doing it this is the greatest thing ever and then again i just joked with like oh it's it's just storm cloud galactus never mind like i don't <laughs> like i don't care but I, I really did for a second just overhype myself. Uh, I didn't quite jump to that that level because I'm still not convinced necessarily Galactus is something that they're they're going to do right now. Um, I think that's I think that's one of those things that doesn't translate real well to screen. Um, I think that one's I, at least not in the way we've seen him portrayed. I think yeah. if they've got another way, like I, he's not going to be massive. You know, no. he'll be eight feet tall, maybe with CG. Like he'll he'll be he'll look kind of like Thanos if they end up doing it. But it's um, I, yeah, I I think they've got a long way to go before they 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 scrape that. I, they've they've taken us some places that they had to earn the right to go to first. Like if you're gonna go to Guardians of the Galaxy, like you can't make Guardians of the Galaxy as your first movie. You have to make you have to make Iron Man and you have to make the Avengers first before you can do a Guardians of the Galaxy movie with a talking raccoon and a tree that just walks around saying, I am Groot. Like they've, 
they've now gotten to the point though where okay they're, now they're playing with time and space and reality and we the audience are going all right man i'm just shoving popcorn into my face let's do this let's you want to go to crazy town let's go to crazy town i'm with you kevin feige let like let's go to crazy town together like all aboard um they'll they'll eventually get to the point where we'll probably see someone like that but i i didn't necessarily think we were getting it right away yeah, no, again, like I said, my brain just hyperactive. I think if we got <laughs> like if we got him, maybe it's in one of the what if episodes that they do, or oh. if they ever wanted to show him, they could run the ultimate route where he's actually a collection of sentient mind ships um that come together. And in the ultimate universe, that's Galactus, but yeah, it was a very, very brief second that I was like, oh, that's what they're going. Like, maybe they're just referencing him. <laughs> but, um, you know, I did like two. And one thing, because I've talked with a, a bunch of people like at work and just text messages about what, you know, what does the ending actually mean? Because as we get to the end of the episode, Sylvie, like you said, she pushes Loki through the through the portal. He gets sent back to the TVA. Um, but it's not long before we realize that it's not the TVA that we have seen throughout this show. And one thing that he says, um, well, I'm just going to call him Kang the Conqueror, but that version was not. Uh, he says, you better hurry. The timelines are already branching. So when she pushes him through, I think what she was doing was trying to push him back, but not really realizing that things had already started to branch off and that she was pushing him in another direction because Mobius does not recognize that it's Loki. And not only to me, does he not even recognize that it's lo like the Loki that he's been with and has developed a friendship with. He doesn't even recognize him as a variant of Loki. He calls him what, Rob. What does he say? You're from. I think uh, he said he's you're you're an analyst, and you're right. right. He doesn't even recognize that he's looking at somebody who looks exactly like the Asgardian god of mischief. Right, and I was like, okay, where, like, where is he? And then that very again, they have a lot of subtle homage. Maybe not so subtle, but to me they pay homage to planet of the apes. When Loki is like, we made a terrible mistake. Something horrible is coming. And he turns and looks and that ominous music is playing. And there is a statue in the TVA, which we have never seen. And <laughs> that, and that depiction of a very comic accurate Kang, the conqueror. And that's where I said, Oh man, like, like literally at the end of this episode, I was like, this is bad. Like this, like they in one single scene for me set up this character as somebody who I'm like, this could be somebody who really can carry these next couple of movies as a branching villain, perhaps. Certainly, I think Kang was one of the ones that was out there before we knew he was going to make an appearance in uh, Quantum Mania. Um, you know, when you think about the big bads that are compelling enough to move the needle and get people excited, I think Doctor Doom was out there. Galactus has talked about um, with the X Men being available now, you can you can do some stuff with them. Um, you know, Spider Man, his rights are a little bit trickier to figure out. Um, 
but Kang was one of the other ones that was out there. And to think that we might have, we might see him first on Disney plus was not something that you and I, and, and I don't believe Harrison did either when he was talking about it with us, um, thought that we would see, you know, those, those big dads would, would not show up till later. You know, um, we had talked about it before. Certainly I know I've heard Harrison talk about how you, you start with Iron Man in 2009 and you don't even really see Thanos until the end of Avengers. You know, it's like not even hinted at that there's a big bad. I mean, certainly when we think about the Infinity Saga, there's quite a few films that Thanos has no impact on whatsoever. His existence means nothing. Uh, these are just things that are setting a few things in motion for the eventual team up. Uh, there's only a handful of those films that he has either a an appearance or b his existence means anything uh, in the larger scope of the of the film. So uh, to think that we might have seen Kang uh, or somebody who turns there's a variant of Kang, whatever you want to call Jonathan Major's character, um, this early into kind of the kickoff of Phase Four, I think is kind of interesting and not what I expected. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't expect it because we, again, we talked about it with, you know, would we ever think, like you said, would we ever see a big bad kind of reveal in these shows or would they be very self-contained of, well, we can't give that away. Like we can't have somebody actually appear in this show and we didn't get him as full on, but it certainly is a bigger tease than I thought we would get. And one of the other things that I want to point out that I wanted to mention earlier and I didn't was there were a lot uh, of speculation and talk about who would be showing up in this castle. And a lot of people I talked to and a lot of message board stuff were really under the impression and kind of fearful that it would be another variant of Loki. I really do like... I kind of had a little bit of that, but I thought the fact that they didn't do that, because again, Marvel has shown where they will pull the rug out from under us, you know, the Mandarin Ralph Boner, just things like that. I, I was really happy that they did not go with, well, somehow this is a version of Loki that has managed to get through this all. Uh, Cause part of me was a little concerned that they might do that. Um, it, I had that kind of thought. So I guess in my mind, my belief was that it, I was 90% sure that it wasn't going to be a character we've met yet. Um, of my, you know, 10% chance that it was a character we've already met. Um, you know, I would say 90% of that would have been thinking that it was Loki or a variant of him uh, with the remaining 10%, maybe that it's actually Renslayer. Um, you know, she was behind it all along. You know, she obviously wasn't as affected by the reveal of the timekeepers being androids. Uh, you know, maybe she was the one that put them in place. Like I, I kind of was along like somewhere in there with some of the things that I had in my head, but I was fairly certain it wasn't going to be somebody we'd seen yet. And I'm, I'm glad that they went this route instead of, um, you know, another Loki variant. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm glad they restrained from that. So an amazing job. I really thought from top to bottom with this episode, again, the score, the cinematography, the, uh, the performances from everybody involved was really, really well done. And I just talk about a season finale that, 
I I went into going, okay, how are they going to do this? How are they going to end it? And then saying, bravo, you guys nailed it. I thought, again, it, just from my personal opinion, I thought this was one of the stronger season finales out of the entire, like, and again, I really liked WandaVision season finale, and I like Falcon and Winter Soldier, but there's just something about the way this wrapped up that really puts this, you know, above the other two for me again, personal, personal thought on that. It's kind of spinning it almost into like an episode of the twilight zone, right? Doesn't that feel like how the end of this is? Um, Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, Really put a nice bow on it. I I think you said it well. Yeah. So Rob, what would be, you know, going to our next segment from the lobby, what would be your favorite scene from this, from this episode? Um, I'm going to, I mean, there's really not that many scenes in this episode. Most of it is in the castle uh, with some stuff happening back and forth, the TVA. So I want to kind of focus on a few aspects of, of that longer scene in the castle Um, from the moment that it becomes obvious that the Loki and Sylvie uh, alliance, they might have different views on what's the best way forward. She's obviously still motivated by revenge and wanting to just, you know, she's full of anarchy. Let's light the match. (laughs) Whatever happens, happens, and let's just roll with it. Um, And he's probably a little more interested in, you know, actually figuring this out a little bit. Um, I, from that moment until kind of when he leaves the TVA, um, that's going to be my favorite right there. There is so much unspoken communication and, and you can just read all of the myriad of emotions that both of these characters uh, are, are facing. Um, and, and Jonathan uh, Majors is, is just weird enough and interesting enough. Um, and not like, I mean, would you even really call him the villain of this? Cause he's, he's not, really the villain right um well that this uh, version of this version of him is not right and then you know you kind of end it with sylvie stabbing him and he says to her very ominously see you soon um it makes you wonder if he truly didn't know what was going to happen next you know it just um that whole bit you know there's so much in there i love even and I don't know if you caught this, but there's some moments where the camera is pulled behind he who remains and we're, we're seeing we're behind his head. We're looking at the two Loki, you know, variants mm-hmm. and they're actually sitting the exact same way with their sword the same way. Like they're, yep. They're mirroring each other in, in a very interesting and compelling way. Like little details like that. Um, I'm going to call that my favorite scene uh, and just their fight too, by the way, I, I had mentioned it, um, in about episode five that I thought we finally got some, some really interesting looks at how Loki, the character should fight. I think we got that again. We got a little bit of it, maybe not as much as I would have liked and and certainly not as, as early as I would have liked to have seen it. But um, I I thought the, I thought the end fight was pretty good. Yeah. I I think more appropriately, it would probably be like you said, because there's not a lot of scenes. It would be like favorite moment would maybe be a little bit more appropriate, but that, that whole thing, you know, once they actually really sit down with he who remains, you know, he has many names and I love that little dialogue where he's like, I've been called a lot of things. Um, that whole thing from start to finish is just awesome. You know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words and you could take and 
still frame so many of those moments in that last segment and know exactly what's going on and see Loki's face and see the hurt and see the, the pain and, you know, the, the happiness too, you know, when he's standing there with her telling her he doesn't, you know, you can see he genuinely means he doesn't want to hurt her and there's happiness on his face there's just so many things that you can gather from facial expressions in those scenes. That's just incredible. So I would agree with you that although the episode is great, those last 15 minutes really just drive everything home. It is a total just what's the word I want to use here. I mean, it wraps it up the growth of Loki from start to finish of this, that that ending scene shows where he was and how far he had come during this entire season. When he's speaking uh, throughout this entire final scene, um, there's no part of me ever that thinks he's actually pulling a trick, that he's actually got other motives other than what he, I, I believe exactly what he is saying, exactly the way he's saying it. That, that he truly intends everything he says and, and every emotion he's conveying is legitimately his true feeling. There's, there's no hidden agenda. There's no secret motive. There's, there's nothing. It's him at his rawest, you know, his most genuine. Um, and then when that turns into the hurt we see when he ends up in the TVA again, I mean, he's just, you know, scoured, you know, all the way to his core. Um, and I believe every, bit of the emotion we're seeing yeah yep absolutely and I, I you know again i love too how he says you know when sylvie says he's lying he's like and i'm a liar and i believe like and i believe him yeah it, like it's yeah he recognizes that yeah i you know being a liar i can tell when somebody's lying he's like you know just the subtleties of i'm not saying it's right all i'm saying is can we can we just take a second? Let's think about this. I don't, you know, I don't care about the throne. I don't, none of that matters to me. Like what matters is, is this the right thing to do, which is such a diversion for Loki. Well, and you're at the end of time. Like what's the rush, (laughs) right? (laughs) Why do you got to run to a snap decision? Right? Exactly. So uh, just, an unbelievable episode, a really a surprising for me season finale in the fact that it was so good. I thought they managed to wrap up enough and leave just enough intrigue where it was the right balance of, I got some answers, but I still have questions where again, for me, these other two shows, they felt like they left some more questions than what we were given, um, you know, answers for. In terms of rewatchability, because that's something I've been thinking about. Um, certainly on a first watch through, um, enjoying the episodes as they're live, as they are part of the the zeitgeist, you know, as these mm-hmm. are the shows that people are talking about and conversations are happening in offices all across America and all across the world. Because uh, we do have international downloads of the show. So I just want to say a quick virtual wave to you. Hello. Thank you. Um, as people are, are, you know, enjoying this live, um, you know, certainly we kind of talked about where you rank 
these three shows we've seen. How about rewatchability of the three shows that Disney Plus has given us uh, for the MCU? You know, not counting uh, uh, Mandalorian because um, I think that's an incredibly rewatchable show uh, so far. Yep. You know, episodes one and two. I hey, you you want to restart it tonight? Like I'll, right. I'll, I'll start episode one right now. I got no problem with that. Um, in terms of rewatchability, w- would you ever go back and rewatch? any of these three and, and what order would you rank that in? You know, I don't know that I could actually, I don't know. I could go back and really watch WandaVision episode one and two. Yeah. Like knowing what they are now, I don't know if I could go back and watch those right now, just quick fire, you know, right off the hip, it would be low. It would be Loki. Falcon and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision, uh, one, two, and three in order of which ones would I actually want to watch again? Yeah, if I can skip episode three of Loki, um, I, this might be the most rewatchable one for me, followed by Falcon and the Winter Soldier, because that's it's got some interesting, compelling things it's saying, but it's also got a lot more action, too, and you can you can rewatch an action movie or an action show, you know, a, a lot. Um WandaVision, you know, the hook was the mystery and that it built deeper and deeper. I'd compared it to Watchmen before. Um, I would have to skip at least episode three because by that point, it's like, okay, come on, get on with it already. Uh, and possibly parts of one and two. Um, and I just don't know that it would have the same punch when you already know the ending, especially with the red herring at the end that I still to this day call my least favorite decision that Marvel has made. Yeah. Uh, I would agree with that. So in terms of an episode, Rob, where do you rate this? Uh, five reels. Um, there's, there's not a lot here. I don't like, there's a it's perfect amount of intrigue, perfect amount of setting the, the hook to get you excited for the future appearances of these characters. And certainly the fact that we're getting an unexpected season two, um, I'm super excited to see what happens there. So I'm going five. There's not a lot here. I don't like. Yeah, I, I have to go five reels as well. There's again, I mentioned the only thing I don't really like is Renslayer. Everything else about this episode. I probably could watch this multiple, multiple times and still be enthralled by it. This is five reels for me. Absolutely. No doubt. Where do you rank on the series? If you had to give a reels ranking to this series, where do you, where do you think it would land? You know, the strength right off the hip, <laughs> right off the hip, four and a yeah. half. Okay. That, I, I think I have it the same place because I, I had given individual episodes of this series, more than one a five reel rating. Um, you and I both hated episode three and felt like it almost had no purpose at all whatsoever. You pull that out. And this is an almost <clears throat> almost a perfect series. Um, yeah. it, outside of that, you know, the production design, it just it's it's so good. It is so good. I, I mean, here, I do have as a series. You know, there's there's some things that I feel didn't work. Um, the time bombs that kind of serve as the cliffhanger at the end of episode two, where she just sends those grenades off in all these places. And, and we had talked about, oh, there's one going to Vormir. There's one going there. There's one going there. Like all these major places that are part of the MCU as a whole. Um, 
you know, we thought that meant something and, and it seems like that didn't mean anything. And that served as the cliffhanger for the second episode. Um, so that to me, I think is, is a little bit, you know, kind of, I, I feel a little cheated by that. Um, the DB Cooper thing in the first episode, like they never really did it again. They never did anything like that. Um, a, a second time to make that kind of a reoccurring kind of mechanic. Um, so to me, that was like, why'd you even put that in there? You know, like to me, that just felt like you just, that, that goes in the cutting room floor. Um, Renslayer as a, as a character in general, didn't really work overall. And, and like you had talked about before when she leaves, um, I don't know, like I just, okay. If she shows up fine, if not, whatever, um, you know, thinking about things across, and then of course, episode three, just, it almost doesn't even need to exist. Um, outside of that, I mean, love the production design. Miss Minutes was such a fun character. I mm-hmm. wish we got more of her. That was something I wish we would have definitely seen more of, but that whole, like, you know, skewing like that fifties kind of look and, and level of technology, but like super advanced versions of it. Um, just the amount of fun, the amount of growth that we see from Loki. Um, yeah, I, I feel like four and a half uh, reels for a, for a series ranking feels right to me. Yeah. Uh, pretty much in agreement for a lot of this for us. So, you know, Rob, with Loki being over, obviously, uh, I'll say it again. You know, we missed Harrison being here to to give us his thoughts. Um, I don't know if he has any plans from the basement binge to maybe do a, a short recap of Loki like he did with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I certainly would like to hear his thoughts on this, but I, I want to give you a second, Rob. And I, I'm going to put you on the spot here because I really oh like the I, I like the first one uh listeners have tuned in and listened to that any plans here for another um extended multiverse edition of (laughs) matt goes to the movies yeah so there were uh, there were two films that eric and i had talked about um that we felt should be either first or second um we do we definitely agreed on the first and and we know what the second one is uh, we haven't talked about a date to record yet, but uh, we already we definitely know what the movie is. There was there was only two that we were going to consider for the first and second. Um, you know, we're we're both very busy people, and uh, finding the time to do it justice for a film that means as much to us uh, as both of these uh, first two do, uh, I would say we'll probably put something together for end of July or early August. Uh, we hope to have something recorded and available for anybody who uh, who liked the uh, extended podcast universe episode that we did on Fight Club. It was a lot of fun to do. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, a lot of listeners did check that episode out, so that was really cool to see. It was definitely interesting. Uh, I look forward to seeing what the next one is because Rob's being incredibly discreet with that information. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I, so. Yeah, it t- see, it takes me a lot longer to prep for one of those. See, you don't even, you don't even have anything in front of you. You just have your computer <laughs> on that you're recording into. You're not looking at a single scrap of paper. Nothing digitally you have written down uh, for me to do, for me to host. It requires uh, like a volumes of stuff just to, to be prepared for it. So I actually think you might be a mutant. I think, I think that might be. I think that might be true. 
Oh, man. Well, I look forward to it. Uh, you know, we also, again, I, I want to plug Harrison, the basement binge. Uh, usually he's with us for these MC, uh, MCU reviews. Uh, unfortunately, scheduling conflicts. Uh, he was not able to be with us, and these episodes were a little late. So uh, for anybody who is listening to these episodes, thanks for sticking with us. Sorry that these are out later than normal. Uh, mostly episode five, episode six, we were able to get in with a fairly... Uh, relative time frame. So, you know, I want to thank you for that. And Rob, if you don't mind, uh, help plug the show here, email address and how people can continue to listen. Cause you know, we certainly, we certainly appreciate it. It's, it's really cool to, to see not only, you know, new States pop up with new downloads and new people, you know, getting the show, but like you said, internationally, um, seeing people download this show, you know, across the globe, which is, something that's just mind boggling to me that somebody would, would want to listen to this show. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I think that's like one of the coolest things. Um, and, uh, and that's awesome. And if you're an international listener, we especially want to hear from you. Um, tell us, uh, are you, are you an American expat, you know, living overseas and checking out, you know, content about, uh, American culture or, uh, are you, somebody in Australia who somehow came across the show when you were looking for something uh, specific and you found a, a review on something you really wanted to know. Um, we would definitely love to hear from you. Uh, tell us what, uh, tell us what the local scene is like, you know, is, uh, is, is your country or the city you live in is crazed about all things uh, superheroes and, and sci-fi the way that uh, the, the way that it is here. Um, but you can reach the show um, at MGTTM podcast at Gmail. So basically you just take Matt goes to the movies. You just take the first initial of each of those words. Uh, you make just the initials and then you put podcast at gmail.com. Uh, shoot us a quick email. We would certainly love to hear from you. Uh, maybe we'll read it on air. If you got a question uh, or a comment or a statement, um, you can interact with the show on Instagram. You can interact with the show on Facebook. Uh, certainly as the episodes post, um, comment about what you liked, you know, comment about your favorite Ralph Boner theory. Maybe it's one that I've already mentioned. Maybe it's one that you've got. I would actually, that's the other thing I, I want to hear from the international listeners. And I want to actually hear, uh, listeners theories about, uh, about where we'll see Ralph Boner next and, and who, if he's actually in control and, and what's going on. That's, that's what I really want to know. Um, what do you? What are your thoughts about the multiverse? Will we see um, a reintroduction of characters we thought were dead? Is this how they bring in the X Men? Is this how they bring back Iron Man? Is this how they bring back Scarlet Witch? Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not Scarlet Witch, Black Widow. Um, is this going to actually mean something? Are we going to see an? Is this how they bring us somebody like Miles Morales? Um, certainly, that was how we kind of got him crossing over in the comics. Um, what does this actually mean? You know, what, what, what are the implications of Loki? Um, and if you've seen Black Widow, uh, tell us what your theater experience was like. You know, was it was it everything you wanted it to be? Um, I was there actually on Thursday, uh, you know, the day before the official opening to a packed theater. And it, it was it was just awesome to see that again, uh, to, to be there and, and being in person. So tell us about your theater experience. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, certainly, we're going to look at doing a review of Black Widow because I, I have a lot of thoughts on that. I certainly enjoyed my experience with that. So uh, we'll look forward to that. Like Rob said, we absolutely love the feedback contacting the show. So 
thank you everybody for listening to this episode. It's been a lot of fun and we've got, I mean, geez, this MCU content, Rob is, is not going anywhere anytime soon. So there'll be a lot to talk about. I want to say we get what if next. And then uh, after that, we uh, are, I mean, obviously we've got black widow in theaters now, which uh, I, I highly recommend going to see. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I'm probably going to go see it a second time and take my kids this time. Um, but outside of that, we don't get anything new until uh, Spider-Man No Way Home in December. That's a long way until our next movie. Yeah. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. Until next time, this has been Matt Goes to the Movies. Thank you.